Welcome to the Licensing Podcast, where we take what may seem like the extremely boring and try to make it a little less boring. Each episode is geared towards a story to help provide you with some of the background of where these topics come from, why they work the way they work, and what you can do about it on your test. We're going to provide a lot of realism. Unfortunately, you can only provide so much fun. This session is going to focus on pricing in the market. It's an area that seems like it should be pretty straightforward, but there's actually a lot of hidden meaning here that once you understand it will benefit you greatly, and if you ignore it, could create a lot of detriment for you. The key to this section is keeping track of organization. There's going to be, in the end, certain words that we use to talk about certain kinds of dynamics. For example, when you hear bid-ask, there's a certain set or idea of things you should be thinking about, whereas when you hear sales charge, there's a completely different set of ideas about what you should be thinking about. In fact, the test will use these clues to help organize for you what kind of topic or section it thinks you should be talking about. For example, again, before I explain it, if I'm talking about a commission, I'm automatically talking about a secondary market scenario instead of a primary market scenario. So again, the intent of this episode is to help you define and clarify that particular space. When I say bid ask, what should you be thinking about? And more importantly, maybe what should you not be thinking about? So the first thing that we want to do is recognize there's two main ways that we want to look at this philosophy. There's words we're going to use when we talk about situations involving primary versus secondary market transactions. And then there's words we're going to use when we talk about the differences between dealers or brokers. So bucket number one, primary versus secondary market transactions. Here, you want to remember that primary market transactions all involve issuers. So the issuer is floating shares in something like an IPO, or maybe it's later in the life cycle of the company, and now the issuer is floating shares in an additional offering environment. But no matter how you cut it, one side of the trade is being done with an issuer, and that's what's going to qualify it for primary market transactions. Compare that against a secondary market transaction. Here, the broker-dealer is facilitating some kind of trading between two customers. So it's a customer-to-customer -customer deal, or it could be just simply said a non-issuer transaction. From a vocabulary standpoint, what you want to follow then is the primary market is going to deal with spreads. The issuer is going to pay the underwriter for the services of selling the stock. And instead of the underwriter pushing that cost off onto the retail customer, because the issuer is always making up one half of this trade, we've just developed a system where the underwriter takes his money from the issuer. And so we see things like spreads, or in the mutual fund world, things like sales charges and loads. The words we're not going to see are commissions or markups. Commissions and markups are used in the secondary market to describe what the dealer is taking when he's facilitating trades with retail customers, either between two customers or with himself and a customer. But in both cases, you notice I didn't say the word issuer. So again, from a vocabulary standpoint, if you're talking primary market, then you need to be looking for words like spreads, concession fees, sales charges, and loads. What you need to be avoiding is commissions and markups. Conversely, when you get into the secondary market and you're talking about retail trades of stocks and bonds and things like that, then you need to be using words like commissions and markups. 
because we're in the secondary market, let's do a quick hit on some of the vocabulary you'll see in the secondary market around quotes. A bid-ask quote dynamic is a two-quote dynamic. The bid is always presented first, and the ask is always presented second. There's a difficulty in keeping track of the perspective of what this particular quote does. It'd be very easy to say you sell at the bid and buy at the ask, but I want you to remember that that's through the lens of what the retail customer experiences. It is eligible on this test that you get asked about how the dealer feels about the transaction and what the dealer is earning in the transaction. And in those cases, the answer is going to be flipped. But in 90% of your questions, you want to remember the generality. And certainly in your job, when you're talking to retail customers, you want to remember the generality that the bid comes first, the ask comes second, and the bid is what the customer will get when they want to sell. The ask is what the customer will get when they want to buy. This works great for a lot of products. Bonds are usually quoted on a bid-ask spread. Stocks are clearly quoted on a bid-ask spread. The place where it gets a little funky is actually in the mutual fund space. But again, we're kind of already uh, peaked up to this because the mutual fund space isn't really a secondary market space. You'll learn from the material if you haven't already that mutual funds are always sold in IPO settings. That's why mutual funds have sales charges and loads. Conversely, from a quoting dynamic with the mutual fund, you don't get bid-ask, or at least you shouldn't. I can finagle two prices out of the net asset value and the public offering price, but that's not technically the correct way that you should be selling these things. When you're quoting mutual funds, you're quoting net asset value. It's a one-number quote instead of a two-number quote. And so that also becomes a tool you can use to keep track of what product you're talking about and what kind of hints you have as to whether you're in a primary market or a secondary market dynamic. So that's our world of keeping track of these vocabulary words through the lens of primary market and secondary market. Let's jump fully into the secondary market kind of scenarios and focus on our salesman, our broker dealer. They have the capacity to charge commissions or markups. And that actually gives you some information as well. You don't want to use those words loosely either. You see, dealers will charge markups and agents will charge commissions. Now, we have a video out there that does a pretty good job of explaining why that is. But here, I wanted to keep the total package two together. If I'm using the word commission, I have to be talking about an agency-based trade. If I am a floor broker... I can only do agency trades. I can only charge commissions. You can't run into a world where a flow broker is charging a markup. Conversely, if I claim a dealer trade, I have to charge a markup and I can't be using words like commission. Words we'll definitely avoid in this space, though, will be those primary market words of sales charge or load or spread. Lastly, there's a topic that kind of floats around this space. It's a regulation question that sometimes you get directly and sometimes you just get referred to. Uh, we call it FINRA's fair pricing policy. It used to be called the 5% markup policy. Now, the 5% markup policy was actually a horrible name because it applied to markups and commissions. It applied to any secondary market trade. But when we call it the markup policy, hopefully by now you recognize it kind of lent itself to believe that it was only a deal for dealers. And that wasn't true. It applied to brokers as well. One of the many reasons the name got changed. The fair pricing policy says that when you're dealing with secondary market trades and you're deciding how much you should charge for your services, you really shouldn't get above 5%. 
But please note that FINRA, and by extension even the MSRB, is never in the business of trying to set commissions or markups. They don't want to tell you by rule what you can and can't charge for the services of your broker-dealer house. What they do want is to make sure that you're not price gouging customers. I'm not exactly sure where the 5% came from. I could pose it that it's a little bit maybe along the lines of a, maybe that was a historical number that was convenient. I haven't dug too deep into it. But what I do want you to recognize is the guideline aspect of it. In general, very high level, I as a broker dealer, am going to turn into FINRA all the trades that I do. As a percentage, I'm going to show how much money I made on these individual trades. And I'm going to clarify if I did it as a broker or a dealer. If FINRA decides that the work that I did justifies the cost, then they're not going to have a problem with it. If I can fully justify a 20% markup on all of my dealer trades, then FINRA is going to leave me alone. The thing we're worried about is what if I can't? What if my answer to, hey, Jason, why are you charging 20% markups is simply, well, my McMansion isn't going to pay for itself. Then I'm going to get in trouble. So that's how the guideline works in that space. You also want to recognize that for the fair pricing policy, the guideline is broken up into how you did the work. You'll notice in the text that there are separate lists for what dealers get evaluated on and what agents get evaluated on. For example, FINRA calls me up and says, Jason, I've noticed you've got a string of 20% charges here. Did you do these trades as a dealer or an agent? That's the first question they're going to ask me. And when I say agent, they're going to use a completely different list to evaluate whether 20% was justified or not, which should make sense. By way of reminder, dealers take inventory positions. They already have the stock or bond or whatever the product is. Whereas agency trades are you're doing some work, you're hunting down a position, and you're working in the middleman kind of capacity. So really quickly, if I say that it's 20% worth the work, and they ask me how I did the trade, and I say I did the trade as a principal, and they say, okay, well, tell me your story. And then I launch into this weird, ridiculous story about how, like, I had to fly halfway across the planet, and this was the last bond, and I had to consult some shaman, and I was digging down this well to find this one bond. Well, it sounds all well, but they're going to find me. And they're going to find me, hopefully you've noticed, because I said I did it principal. And if I did it principal, it's in my inventory. So what am I doing flying to Morocco to pick this bond up? Now, if I had said I had done it agency style, you know, flying halfway across the world, that's a lot of work. I think that's worth 20%, and I'm going to be okay. So to summarize, when we talk about pricing in the market, there's actually a lot of potentially hidden meaning that you want to be using to help you get through your questions. We talked about the differences in the vocabulary between primary market and secondary market, and that words like spread and sales charge are fundamentally different than words like commission and markup. Then we also talked about the difference about broker-dealers, specifically through the lens of brokers or dealers, and about how dealers will use markups, whereas brokers will use commissions. Lastly, we touched really quickly on the fair pricing policy, and we talked even a little bit about what a bid-ask and a two-sided versus a one-sided quote is like. So I hope that provides you with a lot of clarity around how these questions are going to look and some of the hidden words you can use to really help you hit the mark with the answer you're trying to find. I'll see you for next session.